بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد إن شاء الله we will try to finish this first stage today um, we've spent some time on it and that is the stage of Iman the stage of Iman so quick review of what we've covered before uh, the definition of Iman to him is the conventional definition that we all have for Iman. He said right in the beginning, he said that you believe in Allah, the day of judgment, revelation, and that there's a path that you have to traverse. And if you do so, inshallah, you will make it to Jannah. If not, then hellfire. Okay, this is our basic Iman. And uh, so he spoke about the different grades of Iman, and we've alluded to this before as well a little bit. Then he spoke about higher levels of Iman. He moved into the conditions of Iman. Two conditions, one of which we're going to talk more about today. Those two conditions were, uh, number one, it should not be tainted and mixed with dhulm. Because the Qur'an says that. The Qur'an says those who don't cover their Iman with dhulm, those are the ones who, أُولَئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنَ They have safety. وَهُمْ muhtadun. They are going to be the ones who are guided. So that, in addition to another verse that says, Inna shirk la dhulmun azim, that shirk is a great dhulm. Ayatollah Jawadi brought these two together. He said, okay, so in this context, it says that those who have iman, but don't taint it with dhulm, in other words, shirk. So we're going to talk about that more later though. So that was the first condition. Second condition is that iman has to be accompanied with Amal for it to work. So these were two conditions he talked about. Then he moved on into this idea that we had last session of how with proper iman we will start with fear of Allah, but it will end with tranquility and calm actually. And not wor not being too worried about things. Not because we are in good shape necessarily, but because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so great and merciful. So for that we had three or four verses that we covered. So now he wants to move on into some deeper stuff. Things that we have alluded to here and there, but now's the actual time to talk about it. And that is the next level of Iman. So he re redefines Iman again. Although he had given us the definition, I mean, when you start the chapter talking about Iman, what do you have to do? You have to give us a definition from the get-go. He gave a definition. Believing in God, believing in the hereafter, the basic stuff that we know. Then all of a sudden he comes back again and gives another definition. He doesn't say it, but it's obvious that he's talking about a deeper level of Iman. And so he says, right in the beginning, he says if a person knows that they are naqis, deficient, that they are in need, they have niyaz, not Urdu niyaz, Farsi niyaz. Niyaz means need. Okay? If a person knows they're deficient and in need, number one. Number two, they understand that their deficiency cannot be taken care of by themselves. They know they can't, number two. Number three, they know that others can't help them in fixing their deficiency. And then number four, they also know that there's a Creator, there's a Lord, then there will be no choice, there will be no way out of it except to accept 
that I will have to have some sayr and suluk, some spiritual wayfaring, some type of growth, after which that great individual, that great entity, whoever it is, which is God, of course, takes care of those deficiencies of mine. Okay, it's just the natural conclusion that you come to. In other words, that is the refuge that I have. That's the one that I have to go to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he's saying all of this refuge. He also calls it a fort or a fortress that a person can seek refuge in. Why? He's basing it on that famous hadith of Silsilatul Dhahab of Imam al Rada alayhi salam, where he says, you know, it's called Silsilatul Dhahab. Silsila means what? Chain. Dhahab means, I'll look to this side for Dhahab. What does Dhahab mean? Gold. <laughs> so the golden chain hadith, the famous one that Imam al-Rada says, my father said, whose father said, whose father said, all the way to the Prophet, to Jibra'il, to Allah. That Allah says, Kalimatu la ilaha illallah hisni. That the word of la ilaha illallah, the belief of la ilaha illallah is my fortress. It's that safe haven, that safe castle that you can seek and find refuge in فَمَنْ قَالَهَا دَخَلَ حِسْنِ Whoever says this word has entered my fortress وَمَنْ دَخَلَ حِسْنِ أَمِنَ مِنْ عَذَابِي And whoever enters my fortress is safe from my adab بِشَرْطِهَا وَشُرُوطِهَا But at the end of the day this is the active ingredient كَلِمَةُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ The mashrut Correct? And so Ayatullah Jawadi is saying that, look, this is what belief does for you. Proper belief brings you into that fortress of, why? Because I can't take care of myself. I'm not safe without Allah. So I enter that fortress. Now, he goes on into another discussion where he says that, this was all just uh, introduction here. He goes into another discussion where he says, look, when you look in alam al-takween, when you look into the universe, what do you see? you see that everyone is in one way or another, they don't even know it themselves. Everyone mean every, meaning everything, every creation is on the path of Tawheed. Okay? Taqween though. In alam al-taqween. In the world of creation. In the world of cause and effect. The universe. Okay? Whether you like it or not, a baby elephant will grow into an adult elephant. It won't turn into a giraffe. I mean, it's the 21st century. I don't know what we can expect these days. But just... You know, judging from what we see so far, okay, what we see is that everything is on a special track, okay, and it and who's t- who's moving them along this track? It's Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The Quran explicitly says this: fahada." This is called hidayah takwiniya, right? Whether you like it or not, you grow into an adult. Whether you like it or not, this giraffe grows up to a, into an adult giraffe. This tree b- grows up into an adult tree. It's not like they turn into something else. Well, who's who's in charge of all of this? It's all Tawheed. It's all Tawheed al-Rububi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? He says, when we look around us, we see Tawheed al-Rububi everywhere. This Lord, oneness of God in Lordship. We find it everywhere. Okay? It's only when things change from Taqwini to Tashri'i. In other words, they change from Allah being in charge of everything versus us also being part of the equation, right? When we come into the equation, everything's ruined. You, lots of times. Not all the time, but lots of times. What is he talking about here? Let me first uh, share with you the verse that tells us that when it's taqween, and it's only in Allah's hands, everything is on the right path. Look at this. I really appreciate this verse of his that he brings because I never thought of this verse like this. Ma min dabbatin. 
there is not a thing that moves out there except that Allah is holding it by its forelock. In other words, when you hold something by its forelock, that means you have control over it, right? Total control over it. Okay, if Allah is holding everything by the forelock, what's happening here? Just letting you know, Allah is on, on the straight path. In other words, everything is going to be on the straight path. Well, what about Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab? No, no, that's not takwini, that's tashri'i we'll get to. Even Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab, when it comes to God's work on them, everything's perfect, everything's going by the book. They are also, you know, growing into whatever they're supposed to grow into physically, in, ta- in a ta- form of taqwini perspective. But it's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, alright, now that everything is moving the way it's supposed to move, I want you to also develop the perspective, the proper tawhidi mentality of things as well. Is when insan says, "Ana Rabbukum al-Ala," I am the I am the Lord, actually, right? Now we might say, "Alhamdulillah," we don't have to worry about that. We're not we don't fall in that boat. Uh, but just yesterday or two days ago, I saw Ayatullah Bahauddini, the great, rahmatullah alayh, where he says, "We all have a little Saddam Hussein within us." We've talked about this before, okay? So we have that. We have that. "Ana Rabbukum al-Ala," then that's what we're here for to kind of put that. Uh, under control, that that beast within us, that Lord within us, which we think is a Lord, to keep it under control so that we grow into the angels we can become, inshallah. Now, once things become tashri'i, that means it has to do with us now, the do's and don'ts, and all of a sudden, the Quran says, so that verse that I shared with you first, مَا مِنْ دَبَّةٍ إِلَّا هُوَ آخِذٌ بِنَاسِيَتِهَا That's Surah Hud, verse 56. Once things, once we're brought into the equation, all of a sudden it turns into kalla inna al-insana la yatgha ar-ra'ahu staghna kalla no verily mankind has tughyan yes we're over we're overstepping the boundaries getting ourselves in trouble why an ra'ahu staghna because we feel like we are self sufficient istaghna means to consider yourself ghani or maybe better to say that they see that they've reached ghina. Yes. And this is where our logic becomes the logic of Qarun. So, Kalla inna al insana layatqa arrahu stagna, that's Surah Alaq verses 6 to 7. Our logic becomes a Qaruni logic. What did Qarun say? What's the story of Qarun? He came out, he was flashing whatever he had of, of his wealth. The people are seeing, they're like, wow, look at that. So some people told him, you should actually you know, consider this from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he say? He says, no, no. I gained this myself. إِنَّمَا أُوتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ عِنْدِي Yeah. I have been given all of this and I've reached all of this success because of a knowledge that I had. Yeah? Surah Qasas, verse 78. So, it's interesting that Tawheed is everywhere. The only time you have a problem is when this little mankind, humankind comes into the equation and then it's ruined. The little bit that Allah gives us of room to take, to take things into our own hands, we, we ruin it. Yeah. So let me read off of this a little bit. So what does he say? He says, when we look into the universe, we see that everything is 
is following a certain guideline, a certain they're on a certain track. But then the dust of self-conceit, it takes over for some people, and then they become layatra. Why? Because they don't even know that they're in need. They have a need. Remember, we started this whole se section or this today's section session with that new definition of. Iman equals me acknowledging that I have a need, I have a deficiency. He says, means this person doesn't even acknowledge that they have deficiency, that they have need. Why? Because I'm ghani, I'm wealthy, I'm self-sufficient. Or he says that I have this need, I have a deficiency, but I can address it myself, I can take care of it myself. And that's when Qarun comes into the picture. He says, I had a need. But I took care of it myself. I know economics. I know how to work with money, etc. So this person is not relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are they relying on? It doesn't matter who they're relying on. It's other than Allah. Myself, anybody else. And that's where this whole discussion of shirk uh, al-khafi comes into the picture. So let's go back now to one of those two conditions that I said we'll talk about later, which is now. One of the two conditions of Iman actually doing its job, one of the two conditions was that we don't taint it with Dhulm. And we said in that context, Dhulm equals Shirk. So now we've talked about this once or twice before. But this is the actual place to talk about it. That there is some Iman that is mixed with Shirk. And so for that he will bring a, hadith, a verse of the Qur'an that we've also talked about before. And then he's going to explain it with a nice Hadith and a couple more verses that we're going to have here to show that yes, you can be mu'min and mushrik at the same time. So he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to these types of people who have not reached this pure form of iman and faith in Allah. He describes them as such. وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ Surah Yusuf verse 106 that the majority of the people who have faith in Allah and embrace the faith, the reality of the matter is that they are still mushrik. Wow! So shirk and iman can be gathered in one person? In one place? Well, if shirk and iman are black and white, no, they cannot. One thing cannot be black and white at the same time. But if you can have gray area, which is a mix of white and black, then yes. And so here we find that iman and shirk will have different grades. So I will have, for example, if if all of Iman is 10 grades, if I'm at grade 6 of Iman, what does that mean? That means the other 4 is what? Is non-Iman, which is Shirk. But this is referred to as Shirk Khafi. Hidden Shirk, subtle Shirk, these terms that we've used before. So he says that Imam al-Sadiq he was asked about this. Hey, how is it possible that most of the mu'mineen are mushrikeen at the same time. Make up your mind, O oh Allah, O oh Qur'an. He said, huwa rajul, lawla fulan It is when somebody says that if it wasn't for so-and-so, I would have been done, I would have been dead. Halakt, halak, you know, or halakat. Walawla fulan lama asabtu kada wa kada. If it wasn't for so-and-so, I would have never reached that point. I would have never, never achieved this or that. 
If it wasn't for so-and-so, I wouldn't have even been able to fed, feed my, my family, my dependents. Yeah, if it wasn't for so-and-so, okay. أَلَا تَرَى أَنَّهُ قَدْ جَعَلَ لِلَّهِ شَرِيكًا فِي مُلْكِهِ يَرْزُقُهُ وَيَدْفَعْ عَنْهُ So Imam al-Sadiq here, he goes on, he says, don't you see when someone talks like this, of course when you speak, speech reflects what is going on up here, in the mind, in the heart. The Imam says, don't you see when someone speaks like this, that they have put uh, sharik for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a partner, they have taken a partner for, uh, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this partner, what does he do? A partner of Allah in his mulk, in Allah's lordship, in his kingship, in his sovereignty. This partner of Allah, yarzuquhu, yadfa'u anhu, is the one who's actually sustaining this individual or repelling bala from them. You're saying it. Or when you go, Ayatollah Jawadi always uses this example. He says, when you go to the doctor, if you say that this person cured me, then that is also, if it wasn't for this, this bala would have befallen me. So, Imam al-Sadiq, are you saying that there is no cause and effect in this life? That's not what he's saying. Look at what this person who's narrating the hadith goes on to say. He says, قُلْتُ I said, فَنَقُولُ What if we say it like this? لَوْلَا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَنَّ عَلَيَّ بِفُلَانَ لَهَلَكْتْ What if I say it like this? That if it wasn't for Allah favoring me, right? through such and such person, through such and such thing, then I would have been destroyed. So you're bringing Allah back into that hierarchy, that chain of causes and effects. What did the Imam say? قَالَ نَعَمْ لَا بَأْسَ بِهَذَا وَنَحْوِهِ that, Yeah, that's fine. Don't forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, I mean, sometimes you'll even say this, yeah, it was so and so really helped me out. I mean, it's okay. But I personally think that these types of hadiths are just trying to shake us a little bit and remind us, look, even if you're going to speak like that, make sure in the back of your mind you have Allah there as well. Or else, if you really believe that it's all in this person's hands, then we're going to have some problems here. We're going to have some little bit of a, that subtle shirk which we don't want to have. Now someone might say, well, what's wrong with having subtle shirk? Because subtle shirk is not haram. We all have it, I'm sorry. I don't know about you all, but I have it. We all have it in one way or another. Or else we'd be up there with the ma'sumin maybe, you know? Or with the awliyaullah at least. So we'll have it. So it's not haram, it's not a problem. What's wrong with having a little bit of subtle shirk? We'll get to what can be wrong about that. But let me go on just to drive this point home of this subtle shirk a little more. Ayatollah Jawadi, he goes on, he says, So if this is the hadith that's explaining that verse, if someone says that first Allah solved my problem, then so-and-so, even that's going to be a problem. Because the hadith didn't say, what if we say Allah and so-and-so? It said Allah through this person. <laughs> so it's like very daqiq here. It's very important to like, you know, understand that, no, it's all Him. So He says, even if you say it like this, Aval khuda ba'd mardum. That's still a problem. <laughs> it's good that he's reminding us this because some of us might misunderstand this and think okay let's have Allah and someone so and so no no let's bring Allah into the equation alongside so and so no no hierarchy hierarchy Allah through this person through the channel by means of that's what cause and effect means right 
But why do you say this, Ayatollah Jawadi? He says, why? Because it's all Allah. I don't care. If you look at it as a hierarchy, you got it right. If you look at it, these things are horizontally next to each other, we have a problem. Allah and so-and-so, no, no, no. Allah through so-and-so. Why? He says everything is Allah. The Quran is telling us everything, al-awwal, al-akhir, al-zahir, al-batin. He is the first, he is the last. Well, if I'm bringing someone next to him, does that make him the first and the last? Like from 1 to 100, it's all him? No. It's Allah till 50, and then from 51 to 100, it's doctor so-and-so, uh, I don't know, economist so-and-so, and so on. You know? No. Huwa al-awwal wa al-akhir stops that argument right there in its tracks and nips it in the bud. And so finally, he brings another verse as well, Surah Nisa, verse 136. He says it's very, I mean, it's very clear through this verse that there is another level of iman because it says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu aminu. Those of you who know Arabic, amanu is madi of babul if'al. Aminu becomes Amr all of a sudden. Oh, you who believe, believe. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yes, if Iman is black and white, it doesn't make sense. If I have Iman, you can't tell me to have Iman again. I already have it. Unless Iman has different grades, and now I have some of it, and you're telling me to have the rest of it, to have the complete version of it. Oh, you who... So if you were like to translate this verse based on the tafsir of it, you would say, O you who have believed outwardly, for example, believe inwardly. O you who have five grades of uh, Iman, make sure that you have all ten grades of Iman. So one of those conditions that he had mentioned in the beginning when we started this chapter it has to do with those grades of Iman. When he says not to taint our Iman with dhulm so that it does what we want it to for us. So now after this, he will move into some of the uh, good things that come out of, or no, not, not, not some of the good things, just he's going to point out some of the fruits of this whole discussion. Okay? He's going to point out some of the fruits of this discussion. You can be a mu'min, but be mushrik, a.k.a. a sinner. Right? So he talks about that. He says, for example, so once we fix that you know, principle, the rule, we got the rule now of Iman being able to be mixed with shirk. Now we can see where it shows itself, the, the implications of this rule that now we've adopted. He says, every sinner in reality has a claim of rububiyyah and ana rabbukumul a'la. Don't, don't say one night is not a hundred nights. Let me just, you know, look at it one, this one time. Let me do this. Let me put... No, 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 no. That one time you're saying, Ana Rabbukum al as if. You are claiming rububiyyah for yourself and lordship for yourself. Why? Because a person, he says, who will sin and disobey God while they know purposely, willingly. In reality, they, what, they, what's, what this means is that I am saying that while I know this is the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm not going to take it serious. And in other words, I am prioritizing my satisfaction over Allah's satisfaction and desire. Do you know what this means? Well, who do you listen to? You listen to your master, correct? If you're listening to the nafs, 
if you're listening to your hawa over Allah, that makes your hawa your Lord. Now, of course, it's going to be a subtle version of it, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. Look at this verse of the Quran. Afara man ilahahu hawa. Have you not seen the one who takes their hawa, their nafs, as their ilah, as their Lord? Surah Jathiyah, verse 23. So you see, like these are all sprinkled throughout the Quran. Hence, stages of akhlaq in the Quran. He, he brings these verses to prove his point. Yeah, so he says the Lord of the one who disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even for a split second, someone else is going to be their Lord. This person has not actually tasted proper iman. Oh my God, you know, that's 95% of us, so we're done. No, work towards that pure tawheed. Through how? How? Through what? Through obeying Allah more and more. Once you do that, that iman gets stronger. We talked about this before. The iman gets stronger as a result of obedience to Allah. Another thing that comes out of all of this is interesting. I had never thought of this one either. He points out very nicely. He says that when the Quran says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ When the Quran says that most of them are mushrik, if we take another verse of the Quran and put it next to this, it gets a little scary, let's say. At least for those of us who care about the important things of life Islamically. What is it? What is the other verse that he brings next to this one? It says, he says, Surah Tawbah verse 28. إِنَّمَا الْمُشْرِكُونَ najasun. Okay? Not najisun, najasun. And so there's a difference between najis and najas. There's a whole discussion here. Some have used this verse to say even physically the mushrikeen are najis. Others have said no. What we get out of this verse at least is that they have an inner impurity. Okay? Which um, is not going to, you know, is not, no less of a problem, by the way, to be internally impure to the point that the Quran re re refers to you as najas. All right. What's the, what's the problem of being internally najas though? Najis. Huh? What's wrong? Is, is it like, you know, if a corner of our house becomes najis, do we have to necessarily wash it? No. Yeah. Some people are very obsessive about this, by the way. In fiqh, at least, I have never seen any of our mujtahid say that it's mustahab to wash something if that's najis right away. Or that it's makruh to leave something najis in the house. I've never seen any mujtahid say this. I don't know where this understanding comes from, that some people, they are so quick to try to make everything tahir, even though it's hard. So for example, your carpet is like nailed into the ground. This person will like pull the carpet out to make sure that they wash it. Although it's in the corner of the house, Habibi, like that it's not mustahab or makru or anything. Like what's the point of, there's no reason to uh, make sure that you, no, it's a spiritual impurity. The angels won't come to my house anymore. Well, this needs proof. Bismillah, show me where in our literature it says such a thing. Yes, there might be some people who, I don't know, they will have, um, this opinion of yeah that you know try to make sure everything in the house is always tahir but I don't know how practical that is you might be able to pull that off today in this day and age with uh, everyone has a hose in their house maybe or in their backyard that they can pull and wash everything but like I don't know about 1400 years ago you know there was no cold water back then except in the river right no one had uh, you know discovered or uh, invented the hose back then so like 
how are they going to wash uh, certain things that you can only maybe wash with cold water? I don't know. Whatever. Um, so that's just a parenthesis that I opened up on this side. So that forget about this external najasat now that we kind of went off track on. Going back to internal najasat, what's the problem of being internally najas? Just like a corner of my house can be najas, I don't need to necessarily, it's not wajib on me to wash it if I, if I don't have to like, if it's not making other, causing other problems Islamically. So what if I have an internal najasa? He says, look man, have you not heard of those verses of the Quran, Surah Waqi'ah 77 to 79? Innahu Quran karim fi la mutahharun. And so when it comes to these verses of the Quran, our Mufassirin have explained, if you want to get gr have a grasp of the essence of the Qur'an, to do mas of the Qur'an, mas means to touch something, to stroke something, okay? Of course this verse might be used to say, okay, if you want to touch the Qur'an, you have to have wudu, some might use it for that. But when you look in the tafasir, like everyone, it's like the coolest thing to say, everyone's talking about this, that look, if you want to gain a proper understanding of the Qur'an, if you have some internal najasa, okay, you're not going to be able to get a good grasp of the Quran. So like all of a sudden this idea of, oh my God, you know, so what if like one night, you know, I don't know what example to use. It's it's one, it's just this wedding, you know, that I'll go out, you know, then there's non-mahrams, but I'm showing some hair, you know, then, you know, I've put something on that, you know, non-mahrams aren't supposed to see, but it's just one night. Or if a guy says one night is not a hundred nights, I'm going out to this place and so on. I'm not going to go to Jahannam. God will forgive me. Okay, fine. God will forgive, inshallah. Who am I to say He won't? But la yamasuhu illa mutahharun will apply, <laughs> because that's an that's that is an internal najasa. Like it's just so important to develop this perspective, brothers and sisters. This perspective of it's not just about not going to jahannam. There's a lot going on out there, but we are hurting ourselves and doing this dholm to ourselves because of this subtle shirk of sin, not allowing us to open doors to more the more goodies out there, spiritual goodies. Like every tafsir you look at, you'll find that they will be pointing this out. That yeah, they, it shows that, and of course the ma'sumin are going to have the most purest hearts, so they will have the best grasp of the Qur'an. But really, as much tathir that I have, right, and tahara that I have, right, that that much I will be able to, inshallah, gain from the Qur'an. Alright, so that's another one. And so if this is the case, he also brings up another point here. He says that we also have hadith, another one of those fruits that we want to talk about, another of those implications of this tahara, najasa and all of that, and shirk and dhulm and all of that. It's, this, it's a hadith that he says that Imam al-Baqir he said, Al-Mu'minu la yunajjishu shay'un That the mu'min, the mu'min cannot be tainted with anything, will not become najis with anything. Why? This is talking about proper iman. A person who enjoys that proper iman, in other words, the fact that the subtle shirk is not there anymore. It's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are an embodiment of real faith of in Allah 
This person that is so connected to Allah now that everyone else has gone to the side, it's just them and Allah, they are connected to the source of what? Source of Tahara, which is Allah, source of Haqq. So you tell me, when something is connected to the source, can it be tainted? No, like an example of that is Kur water, right? Qalil water. That amount of water that they say usually is like less than uh, three and a half hand spans by three and a half by three and a half. We're talking about volume here, right? 3.5 times uh, or squared or what is it? Cubed. Cubed? Yeah. So, yeah, 3.5 to the power of three. This uh, is core water. If you have anything less than this, the moment najasa touches the water, the whole thing becomes najis. But when it, this little bit of water is connected to a source of kur water, if najasa touches that water, it doesn't make it najis anymore. So al-mu'minu la yunajisu shay. This is the power of proper iman. Proper iman is that nothing makes it najis anymore. I mean, the Quran. There's a verse. Let me pull it up right now. Actually. It came to my mind. It will tell us that sometimes shayateen uh, will come close to somebody and they will actually like maybe touch that person. But then this person, all it takes for them is for them to remember Allah and it's problem solved. Is it? Let me see if I can find it. Verse 201 of Surah A'raf. So a person will say, Oh my God, I'm so scared. Shaytan this, shaytan that, shayateen. They're all over the place. The nafs is weak, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm always going to be subject to the attack of shaytan. Well, excuse me, if you have really worked on yourself to the point where that iman is there, and that iman comes through practice as well, taqwa, not just remembering things and thinking things, no. If you are one of the alladheena taqaw, the ones who have taqwa, gosh, how much does, this, does the Qur'an emphasize on this? Taqwa. Taking care of the wajib and haram properly. And as a result, your iman growing, you are vaccinated. Yes, you are vaccinated. Why? All it takes for you is just to remember. Just turn it back a little bit and you're good. It says when a ta'ifun min shaytan Yeah? When shaytan himself or a group of the shayateen, whatever, they come after you and massahum. Once again, massa means what? To stroke, to touch. When shaytan comes and kind of rubs his shoulder against mine, all it takes for me is tadakkaru. Just to remember. That's it. Just switch that. Just be conscious of this. Just remember, that's it, that's enough. They're gone. And this person is has this basira. Like this is these this is what this is what it's all about. I mean, that's you're you're there. So you cannot be yeah, Najasa touched you, but it just didn't affect you. Because you are you are connected to the kur. Al Mu'min La Yunajishu Shayun. One last thing here. He also speaks about. And I like how, you know, he keeps talking about taqwa. We're talking about iman. But remember, he said one of the conditions is also amal. 
for Iman to work is Amal. Amal equals Taqwa, equals Wajib and Haram and observing these. He talks about how we have that famous um, we have that famous hadith, Ittaqu firasat al-mu'min. Beware of the uh, sharpness and the smarts of the mu'min. Right? فَإِنَّهُ يَنْظُرُ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ Because this person, when they are looking, now that doesn't mean physical eye, but when they're looking, they are looking with the nur of Allah. They're looking with the nur of Allah. Why is this the case? So this mu'min here, we're talking about iman. It says the mu'min, what kind of mu'min? Any mu'min? No, no, no. It's going to be those the ones who have that proper iman. These people, they can, they, can, they can identify right from wrong. They can identify things properly versus others. He says, this hadith that's talking about a mu'min who has iman, if you put it next to a verse of the Qur'an that talks about taqwa, they click. What is that verse? This is Surah Anfal, verse 29. If you have taqwa, in other words, you have taqwa and your iman grows strong enough that you look with the nur of Allah, in tattaqullah, if you have taqwa of Allah, Allah will give you what? A furqan. Furqan means that which you can use to put farq between things, identify things, discern. Yes? Say that this is haq, this is batil. To be able to tell things right from wrong. Yeah? So it's interesting how this hadith and this verse come together to show that a strong iman that is the result of taqwa and practicing what you believe in to the point that your iman gets strong will give you this measuring stick. And the Qur'an calls it a furqan but in the hadith you can refer to it as nurullah. Yeah. So these are some of the fruits. I think four or five of the implications of understanding that iman is something that has grades and the more we and if we have that basic iman now it's time through our actions and through reflection to try to refine this iman to the point where we get rid of all of that all of the additives that we have in there that are tainting this iman with subtle shirk once you have that pure luminous proper iman what happens is all these benefits will come along with it, inshallah, and more that we don't have time to get into. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any questions before we end? Najis versus Najas, yeah. Oh no, the point is that, so the question is that uh, when the Qur'an says najis versus najas, does that mean those who are internally impure, they can't have guidance, but those who are only externally pure can get guidance still? Is that your question? The answer I would say would be no, because those who are externally najis, right, it shows that they have an internal najasat as well, for sure. So that's the point. We're trying to, they're trying to use this verse, the fuqaha, they're trying to use this verse to say, is it just telling us about the internal najasat that they have? Or is it that they also have an external najasat as well? You can't have an external najasat 
but not have an internal najasat is what I'm trying to say. So either way, either way, yeah, it's, yeah. These people that that special guidance, yeah, so that special guidance for those who have this subtle shirk. If it's talking about the proper mushrik idol worshiping shirk, then yeah, for sure they don't have guidance because they're mushrik, like in the idolatry sense of the term, yeah. So we were just using that to say, oh, there's also another, if there's a, if, if there's anything else that we have as mu'minin that can also be f- referred to as shirk, then these things will apply to an extent as well. Yeah? No one? Yes? Um, so I think Oh, what books? <laughs> so those who know me, they'll know what my answer to this will be. The first book to read will be uh, the Risala uh, Amaliyya of my Marja. So I know all the wajib and harams. A lot of times we don't know all of our wajib and harams. And there are th- these books don't even have all of them. What about the social wajib and harams out there? There are other things that we have to actually inqu- send inquiries into the office of our Maraja. So that they answer us which one is wajib, which one is not. And so uh, that's where I start from always. <laughs> I spent years going through these books to learn what the wajib and haram are exactly. Once a person has that, I think the basic knowledge of Sayyid and Suluk that we have is enough. But yes, there are books out there. There are books out there. From, um, in English, you mean? or? Yeah, English. Anything from like, uh, Like, I really like the book... Uh, what is it? Lubul uh, Lubav. What is that? Yeah, Colonel the Colonel. Or there's another one that um, by Fayb Al Kashani. I always forget the names of these books. Um, there's another one that's that, that one's also been translated to English. It's like this thick though. Um, that one. Yes, spiritual mysteries and ethical secrets. You said of Fayb Al Kashani. Like, let let me tell you something. Once a person has really, and this is my humble understanding. Once a person has been able to take care of wajib and haram correctly, properly, inshallah, Ayatullah Bahjad, he says that the walls and the doors will talk to you. You know, um, you, it, won't, it won't be like, okay, I have to actually go and read up a lot on these things. These will only be motivations, right? And just reminders for us, these books, like what I just mentioned, these couple that I said. And there's more, there's more. I'll have to think more. I can give you more. But what's been translated to English, I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is that this wajib and haram that I'm doing, all it will take is just add a few mustahabat and that is Sayyidu Suluk and just continuing that till the grave. That's what it's going to be. There aren't any secrets out there that we have to learn about through the books necessarily, you know. But that's the point of these classes that we also have. Like after this is done, I'm going to move on to another spirituality book. <laughs> there's a list I have in mind. Some of the letters that some of the greats have written, like there's a lot to learn from those letters and, and, and other books that we have as well, inshallah. But yeah, um, there are books out there. I'm not the best person to ask. These are a couple that I that I know that are in English. I have a quick question. So yes. how is it some people reach like a certain level of understanding without actually learning? Like you mentioned the story of uh, one guy. Yeah, Karbala for example, or these guys. Yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make and exactly what I was trying to tell sister right now as well. That if you just stick to the basics really and you continue practicing the basics, which are the wajib and haram, observing those properly because Allah said so, keeping that in mind, uh, just adding a few mustahabbat and, and keeping up with those as well, not just like two weeks and you let it go, wonders will happen. Not, not, not necessarily on this side, but on the other side for sure. The problem is we need to redefine spirituality. Is spirituality equal me necessarily crying in my salat? No. 
I've asked this actually. Is it uh, me seeing things and experiencing things? No. It's going to take 20, 30 years maybe. So what? It said they say it took him 40 years to reach what he wanted, whatever that means. So great. So we need to redefine spirituality. For me, it's all about, based on what the greats I've seen have said, just make sure that you're taking care of that every day. And then bigger tests might come up. Make sure you get those, you get those down. You make some serious gains like that. Right? And so that will be your spirituality. That's how close you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and then reading these things and discussing them also helps a lot. But this is all motivation, really. Reading this won't really add to our spiritual growth the way those things will. Which one? Al-Dhunub al-Kabira. Yeah. Well, he's not our marja. But at the end of the day, yeah, he has some things. Shayid Dasgheib, Shirazi, his name is. The great, the great sins, the book is called. So you want to get an idea of the great sins, what they are to stay away from. That book is also good, yes. Inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And uh, there's no class next week. Inshallah, the week after. Inshallah. Same time, same spot? Yeah, same time.